Well, in Alabama, we have seven congressional seats at the federal level. Six of them are owned by the GOP, but there's only one that is a Freedom Caucus member. That one, Congressman Barry Moore of the 2nd Congressional District. He's coming in studio today with us to talk about the weaponization of three-lettered agencies and what the Judiciary Committee can do about it. We have an incredible culture here in the state of Alabama, but our politics and public policy don't reflect the people of Alabama. Media drives culture. Culture is what drives politics and public policy. Welcome, everyone, to 1819 News, the podcast. I'm Brian Dawson, CEO of 1819 News and host of this here podcast, where we're pursuing a free and flourishing Alabama every single week. We have an incredible guest. We're honored to have the most conservative congressman in the state of Alabama coming in, blessing us with his presence in an in-person studio interview. We've had him on before. Uh, he was up in D.C., so we had to pipe him in through video. Now we've got him in studio, uh, and we're going to talk about all manner of things, but it's all going to pertain to weaponized prosecution, be it Department of Justice, FBI, IRS, or I don't know, right here in the state and what they did to him. So we'll be diving into that. And then in our behind the scenes or overtime segment for our paying members, we're going to be discussing um, what can the judiciary, Barry Moore sits on the judiciary committee, what can the judiciary do to curb some of this uh, weaponi weaponization of our three-lettered agencies? Um, so I think it's going to be a really exciting episode. You guys stick around. and But before we jump in, i got to tell you guys, Alabama needs 1819 News, and 1819 News needs you guys. We need you guys to step up and join the fight. Become a member today. With that, you get access to behind-the-scenes content like we're going to be cutting today. Uh, you'll also get cool merch depending on what level you come in at. Um, but more than all of that, you get to support honest journalism. Um, in order to have honest journalism, it has to be citizen-supported, listener-supported, all of those things. So please uh, jump in. $5 a month. Uh, Memberships start as little as $5 a month. You have the 1819 Club. I thought that was kind of neat. I came up with that. Anyway, so without further ado, we're going to jump into the content. And so I want to kind of introduce you a little bit more. So Barry, you're United States Congressman from the 2nd District? That's right, 2nd right? District. He's my Congressman. The most prestigious thing he's actually ever accomplished is he's my Congressman. Okay, maybe that's not the most prestigious thing, but, but I'm going with it's that. It's got to be high on the list. Yeah, there you go. Way, 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 way So, um, but 2nd Congressional District, uh, there's a lot going on with redistricting and everything else, but for, for, for the time being, you are my Congressman. I live in Wetumpka, uh, and I'm very happy about that. You sit on the Judiciary Committee, and you are the only person in Alabama in the Freedom Caucus, correct? That's right. I'm, I'm on Judiciary Committee. I'm the only member of the Freedom Caucus and actually the only member on the Ag Committee. So. Okay, there you go. And so how does the Freedom Caucus work? Can anybody be on it or does it does do, do they only pick one per state? No, anybody from the state that wants to be on can be on, but it's it's a vetting process. Number one, they they look at you coming in. A lot of people will be running and in, in, in all across the country saying, Hey, I'm gonna join the House Freedom Caucus if you conservatives will help us. And then they get to DC and a lot of times they just all of a sudden realize that, hey, if I'm in the House Freedom Caucus, the big donors and a lot of the the lobbyists, they'll pull their money from you. And yeah. so it makes people nervous because, you know, they say money's the, the mother's milk of politics. And yeah. so 
But with that money comes strings. And so I can tell you, Brian, the only place I go in D.C. and leave that I feel like I don't need a shower is House Freedom Caucus meetings in most cases. And that's not to say, hey, man, it's it's all hunky-dory in there because there are some knockdown dragouts. But it's it's really conservatives fighting for what we believe in. It's the guys in the room who care about the country and the girls who are not looking for a political career, but they're looking to fix the nation. And so there's some heated debates. I can imagine like the founding fathers sometimes in some of those rooms in Philadelphia. But it's those people that I appreciate being around. You know their heart are in the right spot. And uh, listen, man, without them, I don't know where the, the, the conferences Republicans would be and the country would be in bad, bad shape. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Uh, and I, I, as an Alabamian, am frustrated that we don't have six people in the Freedom Caucus. It just seems like a no-brainer, but I won't go into that because I know you have to maintain relationships with those fine gentlemen that are also not in the Freedom Caucus. So I'm just going to throw that out there. And then right now your district covers all through Enterprise, Dothan, all the way up to Wetumpka. It's like a long strip that goes up through the middle of the southern part of the state. So it's about far west is Andalusia towards I-65 over that area. And then north we get a little bit of Montgomery up into Otago, Elmore County, which are really two really conservative, strong counties. And down around Dothan, Houston County, Troy, Enterprise, all that area. So over to the Georgia line, north to Montgomery, south to Florida, and west to I-65. Well, you've been a breath of fresh air on the hills of Martha Roby. I can say that. And again, I won't make you say anything to that because, you know. Anyway, so um, let's let's begin. Um, we are watching what I believe to be uh, well. It's not I believe it's objectively the, it's unprecedented what is happening to Donald Trump. Um, I believe there's I and, and I don't know what what links they're going to go. They obviously are, are willing to go to quite amount of links to indict him. I think four times now, arrest him, put his mugshot out there. Every time he rises in the polls. Yeah, isn't it fantastic? I, last night, McLaughlin and Associates Trump campaign sends uh, me their polling data, usually in the evenings or every other day. Whenever something comes out, now yeah. they'll send it to me. And McLaughlin, they are some of the best pollsters in the nation. And we yeah. used Jim McLaughlin for years. I've known him. Him and his brother do a fantastic job. They actually have Trump winning the Electoral College in a landslide and in, in swing states, Brian, 49 yeah. to 41. So this indictment process where I think what happened, a lot of the minority communities have seen the weaponization of government against them, and they felt like it's been a They're familiar. They're very familiar. So these as these— these rappers start seeing these mugshots of President Trump, and they're going, wait a minute. Now, this guy, he he went to bat for us, and maybe he's more like us than we realize. And not yeah. only that, they see the abuse of power, and yeah. they, they don't they fear that, yeah. and they don't they don't respond well to that. And so it's I love the fact that he's going up in the polls. Every time he, get, he gives a, he said in Birmingham, our yeah. Montgomery the other night, he said, another indictment, I got this nomination down pat. And yeah. it's true. It seems like every time they indict him, he goes up in the polls. One more will be in the 70s. Amen. Amen. <laughs> So what 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 can they realistically do, and can you be a president from a prison cell? You know, I don't know. That's the thing. I think that probably what happens, a lot of these charges are trumped up, you know, part of the pun. Yeah, or yeah. Pun, pun intended, however you want to make it. But but I think a lot of it will fall eventually to the wayside. This stuff just yeah. doesn't have a lot of stick in power. And granted, there may be some small conviction that he can appeal, but, but I think that at the end of the day, Donald Trump's going to be the next president of the United States. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and here's the reason I say that, Brian. It's not because I'm, I have a crystal ball, but it's because I look at Bud Light. Yeah. You look at, and that's what you look at the stock with Bud Light. You look at the Jason Aldean, you know, try that in a small town. Oliver Anthony. And Oliver Anthony. You look at Target stock. There are, there is something going on in this country, and it's a movement unlike anything we see. Trump said it's the most powerful political movement in the his, in recent lifetime, probably in the history yeah. of this nation, except for the revolution, maybe. Yeah. But man, if you see that the 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 mass of humanity that is getting away from Bud Light and moving to Aldine and Oliver Anthony and those folks, if we can as Republicans 
and conservatives tie into that and message to that, man, that's a tsunami that'll take an election like we haven't yeah. seen. And Trump saw it or almost before anybody in the political sphere. He put his finger on it. He's a businessman, and he saw an uh, underserved group of people. And as a businessman, you serve a clientele. And he came in, and he saw these people who were suffering from the same thing that Oliver Anthony sings about that went wildly viral of you know the middle class being milked to feed you know morbidly obese people on welfare um but also you know you get into economic incentives and stuff here at the state level and it's like so you want to take my money and give that corporation a tax break to bring a business here and again i mean that's fine i get we we want to create jobs but it's 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 always us why is it always the working class that gets hammered and we have to pay the taxes and everything else and so from from historically left-leaning pipe fitters unions to uh, the black community, the Hispanic community, and the and the white working class, he he brought all kinds of people together that never been together before because they were all hurting and feeling the same exact thing. Um, and that was in 2019, right? Exactly. And now what's happened is it's 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 like pouring kerosene on that 2019 group or not 2019 i'm thinking 2015 right right that, so 2015 and now taking that and pouring kerosene on yeah. that and, and and then stealing the election from their guy and i think it's just the fact that he resonates you know and, yeah. and look I, I i'll never forget the republican debate when he was on stage and they said would you in here support the other if you're not the nominee and he was the only man on the stage that would not raise his hand and say i'll yeah. support the republican nominee that took so much courage to me yeah. I, I thought to myself Man, that guy right there, he is, he, whether you like it or not, he tells it like it is. And he don't do things for political points. Yeah. He does it for the right reasons. And so, yeah, he is, there's a message that he has resonated with. It's truth. And it's just who he is. And man, he can speak for two hours and people are just tuned in. Most politicians, you're like, I wish he'd shut up and sit down. Yeah. But Trump can talk and draw thousands of people. And even in 2016, that was the thing. When, when this Access Hollywood audio came out, I had, People who were well-connected in politics come to my office in Montgomery and go, oh, we've had it, Barry. It's over. He's going to lose. Even friends of mine would call me. You know, it's it's, it's done. And I said, oh, just keep watching those rallies. Just yeah. watch. Guys, the people he was pulling at the rallies, there was no doubt he had connected to a movement in this country unlike any politician in recent history. Yeah. And he has done something that he appeals to the working class, the middle class, even charismatic Christians, which surprised yeah. me, Brian. Because, you know, when he first came to Mobile, I don't know if I told you, October 21st, 2015, he was at Lab People Stadium. It was his first event. Yeah. And it was his first presidential event. And there were 17 people in a primary. And and he had no chance of getting the nomination, a 1% chance of getting the nomination. And uh, they came on, they stuck their head in the bus on the South End Lab People Stadium and said, who in here would endorse Donald Trump today? Well, Heather and I, we were in the bus, but we were like, we were supposed to meet with Rubio, you know, he was yeah. coming to town. Scott Walker was coming to Birmingham and being a member of the state legislature, it was like they were all kind of wanting our endorsements. And so Heather and I kind of walked down the hall of that bus and said a quick prayer. And we got a, a, a that day, we just got this green light and endorse a guy that had no chance. He was mm -hmm. a New Yorker, you know. And so I remember going through the tunnel headed towards the stage and Ed Henry looked back at me and said, Barry, he says, there's only four going to endorse Trump today. He said, do you want to go first or do you want to go last? And I said, Ed, I guess I'll go first. At the time, Brian, I had no idea that I was going to be the first guy in the nation to endorse a guy who had no chance of winning the presidency. Yeah. And so we went out on that stage and endorsed Donald Trump. And I'll never forget, I left the stage. He comes up and says three cuss words. And I thought, oh, dear Lord, our political career is shot. <laughs> here's, here's, you know, I'm a Sunday school teacher at Baptist Church. I've endorsed this guy from New York. He's got no chance of winning. He just said three cuss words in Alabama. We've had it. But the crazy thing was that even beyond that, that I think the, the people in the country, whether they be Christian, blue collar, union, whatever, they see something in him. And yeah. it's it's something that's hard to explain. 
But uh, he is the man for this time in the country, I believe. Interesting. I um, am staying as neutral as I possibly can in elections, just as a media guy. I understand. Um, but I will say the 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 thing that he says that I believe resonates with me the most and resonates with America the most is they're not coming after me. They're coming after you, and I'm standing in their way. And there is a ton of truth in that. Yep. There is so much truth in that. because, And I think to, to one of the things that he probably made a mistake was just trusting the system itself, yep. but nobody knew how broken. I, I honestly believe, and I may have said this before, but I do not think we would have had any idea as the American people, the voting public, in this country, if Hillary Clinton would have won, how broken our system truly was. I mean, Trump, he coined the fake news. But, yeah. you know, and, but there was no idea that this uniparty existed in D.C. and that there was this swamp and the FBI was maybe corrupt and maybe the ATF, the IRS was weaponized against the American people. And so until he won and until he got in power positions and we saw how they took the gloves off and they came after him and us, like you said, he's just in the way. We realize now that it is much, much, the, the system is in big, big trouble yeah. and we've got to turn the ship. Yeah. And I feel like, and, and again, not that he needs it, but if he would come out harder against COVID and maybe even because this is just my objective, 30,000 foot view, and then we'll dive into your story. But you had a guy who was winning every single everything. And it literally, it took a virus being created in a lab in Wuhan being released on the world and shutting the entire world down to knock him off of his horse. Okay. No, no, no one's ever had to deal with from the time he came down the escalator, the amount of negative press 24 seven cable news coverage. That was absolutely just horrible. Um, you know, Russia, 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 right. The whole Russia hoax two impeachments. <laughs> Just the amount, no no one's ever had to deal with that. It takes a strange, as uh, he said the, the 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 night when he spoke, is it takes a different type of person to be able to deal with that. I'll just call myself different, right? And and it does. A lot of people would have broke, and he didn't. And so it takes it took that virus to knock him off his horse. And I wish he would come out and say, hey, Operation Warp Suit is probably a bad idea. You know, right, and right. and 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 then um and, and say that's never going to happen again, and I'll be darned uh, if we ever shut down or lock down ever again, something like that. I think he would go from you know fifty or sixty or wherever he is in the polls to like eighty and ninety, and right? he may well do that in the yeah. future. I think that again, like I said, I don't. I think he trusted Fauci. Some of yeah. the people he thought when he got in his, into the White House and into the Oval Office that. He thought he had some people around him that he could rely on, but that system cannot be trusted. It, yeah. it does not work for the American people, and it doesn't care who's in power. It actually controls the power. Yeah. And so I think Trump trusted some people, got some bad advice, and yeah, he I know he probably thought, man, I've got to do something. We've got yeah. we got this unusual thing on the horizon, uh, the two weeks to flatten the curve thing, and then it just kind of got crazy with the yeah. American people. We can never do that again. We cannot lock this country down, nor should we be forced to vaccine or wear a mask. I think that uh, the American people – Fool us once, shame on you. Fool us twice, shame on us. We've yeah. got to stand. 100%. I could do a whole podcast and uh, potential red-faced rage about that whole situation. You um, and my wife both, man. <laughs> I just We keep her off a of mic just for that reason, right? Yeah. No, it's bad, and they're trying it again. They really they, they, they actually said 14 days to slow the spread again. They actually said that, and I'm like, uh, I felt insulted. You're like, like do they really think that I'm that dumb? stupid? Yeah, are like, we that stupid, right? Um, I mean, good grief. So, I don't know. I feel... I would love to see some, and this isn't your area, you're in the, the, the federal Congress, but I would love to see some stuff happen in the state where we, you know, uh, pull the teeth out of the, the Department of Public Health uh, to at least get it to where Scott Harris is selected by 
the governor or elected by the people right now, Massa picks him and you understand how that works. So you got a lobbying agency that picks the guy who shuts us down and forces us to get vaccinations that are made by Massa's donors, right? It just mind boggling. It's, it's a little circle of yeah. influence there. That's Crazy. not healthy for the Alabama um, people. And I think Sam Gavan's going to bring that up in the next session. But anyway, good, good. Um, enough about all that. Uh, you're no, you're no stranger to state politics. A lot of people get into Washington DC skipping uh the state circuit um but you you were you were in Montgomery you you've done that and when when you were there um you experienced a weapon weaponized prosecution was that was a state level prosecution right or was that federal no it was state attorney state general yeah attorney and general. and so uh, the two top conservatives in Alabama both got indicted i just happened okay. to be uh one of those and i my trial was early and uh you know, it's just a process. I think in a lot of ways, I was a General Flynn before there was a General Flynn. Yeah. And the deal is it was a perjury trap. They, they recorded phone calls, much like they did General Flynn, and then they wanted you to recant it in front of a grand jury. And out of 17,900 phone calls, they took eight seconds and indicted me for perjury. And so that was the process, Brian, that began really, because I had term limited myself. I, you know, I served, I, I told everybody I'd serve two terms and I was going to go back and run my business. And it was a calling even to that point, because I told the party no in 06. And then when Obama said we're no longer a Christian nation, we said we got to step up and fight. And so we got elected in 10. Well, in my 2014 reelection, during the primary, I got indicted. Imagine that. And so it was one of those things that was it was really taken to break us. But uh, I tell everybody, the Lord will take it, and He will what was meant to break you, He will shape you and eventually make you. Mm. And so it was one of those processes where the Lord just had to humble me because the Bible says if you will humble yourself before the Lord, He will elevate you before man. And yeah. so that breaking process that I had to go through, and I and I saw Trump. I think in my heart, I think man's going through the same thing I had to go through because yeah. at some point, it it becomes about the Creator of the universe and what He's designed you to do and what He wants you to do, yeah. and uh, He has to get you into a position that you know that obedience is greater than any sacrifice that you've ever been called mm. to. Wow. So. Um, Walk us, I guess, a little bit more kind of through how it all played out. Sure, um, sure. I'm yeah. happy to do that. So yeah. so um, I got indicted for perjury, and, and I just went to a grand jury in, in Lee County, Alabama. I didn't even take an attorney. Man, I wore a flannel shirt and jeans because yeah. I, I didn't know anything. I had no idea that there was even a target. I didn't know what was going on. And so yeah. um, they, like I said, they played these phone calls, and they indicted me for perjury. And the deal was they wanted me to walk away. I could cut a deal and walk away. Yeah. And uh, honestly um, – Heather and I and the kids, we we hired an attorney and we were trying to figure out this process of what to do next. And so I got a call from my attorney one day. I was actually out in the yard and and uh, and he said, Barry, he said, uh, they're going to throw the book at you, man. Any business deal you've ever done, any bill you've ever voted on, anything that you've tax returns, whatever, they are going to throw the book because the government has unlimited resources, yeah. right? And so they were looking to make an example. And so I hung up the phone with with my attorneys, and these were high paid attorneys, a team of pretty expensive attorneys, and they were encouraging me to cut a deal, and that at the time made sense in man's eyes. Yeah, and I walked over to the garage, and my son at the time was twelve, Jeb, and I said, "Buddy, I said if we don't cut a deal and walk away from this race, they are absolutely going to destroy us personally, phys- uh, financially, and politically. We're going to be done for." Yeah. And he looked at me just as seriously. He said, "Dad," he said, "He said I've been studying the Book of Daniel." He said. There was a time when the pressure was applied that there were men who stood, and he said, I think we need to stand. And so I took a 12-year-old boy's advice over a three-team high-paid attorneys, and we as a family that day made a decision that we would stay in the race and we would win the race in the primary and we'd win the case. And so 
But that, Brian, the, the process, I had no idea how painful that 10 months was going to be because my mugshot was in the, in the daggum mailbox every other day. There was ads being paid for by the AEA every other day through that process of just trying to destroy Lovely us. folks at the AEA. Lovely folks. Yeah. And, so, and they were funding this just destruction of my political campaign. But the crazy thing is the weekend after I was indicted, I had more door knockers than in the history of our campaigns. And so people poured out to show support. And when you got people behind you, man, you can be the tip. When yep. they're there with you, you can stand and take the fire. And so we went to our trial October the 29th, 2014. I was in a hotel, Lee County. The jury had broke. They were deliberating my future. I was facing 40 years in prison. And I was in a hotel room in Auburn, Alabama. And the Lord woke me that night. He said, get up and go pray. And I went up and got on my knees, man, and God was nowhere to be found. I went back to bed. A few hours later, he woke me again. And I knew it was a creator of the universe. And believe me, dude, I grew up in Sunday school. But this was him. Yeah, And he said, get up and go pray. Not a word would he say to me. So I went back to bed. The next morning in the shower, I'm in the shower, and I'm going to get this. We're going over to the courthouse. And uh, the Lord began to deal with me in the shower. And I told him, I said, they'd call me, said, Jeb, it broke out in hives. His nerves were shot, and he didn't want to go to school. So I told my mother-in-law, I said, don't send Jeb to school. And so in the shower, I'm crying out to the Lord. I said, Lord, I said, uh, why is my son suffering for something I've done? And he said, he said, he said, my son suffered for everything that has been done and will be done. This is not your tearing down. This is your bringing up. Three days in the belly of the well, and remember Paul on the road to Damascus. And that's what God told me. Mm. And so I got out of the shower and went out, and uh, my phone was laying over there on the, phone, on the bed in the hotel. And on the messenger, a man I'd never had a conversation with, played defensive end at Auburn, he was telling me exactly what God was telling me in the shower. Wow. So, Brian, we left the hotel room, went over to get our verdict. I'm on the second floor. Now, I'm just going to tell you what happened to me, and y'all make of it what you will, brother. But I'm on the second floor of Lee County Justice Center. I'm standing there. My mom's on one side. My wife's on the other side. Jury's deliberating our destiny, our future. And I see a guy looking at me through the crowd, and he makes his way over to me, and he walks up to me and said, my name is Joshua. And he said, I'm here to tell you to do whatever God's called you to do. I knew then that God had gotten my attention and that weird things were about to happen. And so um, we got a not guilty that day, and the Lord began to deal with us. And we, the fact that we endorsed Trump, and, and it was a result of that, because I began to seek the Lord rather than seek me and do what I wanted to do. And, and so I knew he was going to call me to do some things I didn't want to do. Sitting in Congress is one of the things that I absolutely do not want to do. But because obedience is more important than sacrifice— and because he called me and I made myself a bondservant to Christ, when he calls you to the fight, you respond in the right way, he can bless that. And so there are days, believe me, that I want to, I'm like Moses. I want to yeah. pack my stuff up and go home. Yeah. But I know for such a time as this that we're in this fight. And, you know, I'm encouraged. I know the Lord is in control. That's the only thing that gives me hope because uh, we don't have the answers sometimes, but I know who does. I don't know where to go from there. I mean, that was, um, it's astounding. And, um, I believe we're entering into times um, where where that is getting, the only thing, and, and throughout the history of the Bible, you read it, every fight God had his people fight looked impossible. Amen. You're brought down to that point where they're like, there's no hope. Unless God intervenes, we're toast. And who gets credit, right? Yeah. I mean, if God allowed man to think for one minute he could do it, brother, then he would never get credit. But yeah. I know our us getting elected, we were in a seven-way primary. We ran, Heather ran my campaign, 10 cents on the dollar. God called us to this, and he he prepared this process, and he put us here for such a time. And so, and I'm not the only one. There are a lot of good people in D.C. that are in this fight. And some of these families that are going through what they're going through in, in Georgia right now and what the Trump family is going through, listen, Jeremiah 29, 11, God says, I know the plans I have to you, for you, the plans that prosper you not to do you harm. But it takes time for that process for us to understand that. And you're right. It's just difficult sometimes to see his hand. But he's in the impossible, and when he gets credit for the impossible, 
man, it can really blow some people's minds and it creates some incredible testimony. Amen. Um, and what I think, um, the biggest thing that I heard you say is you did what God said and then people rallied behind you. That's exactly right. That's right? exactly and right. You, and when you have people behind you, you can do anything. And watching Tommy Tuberville, and so what I loved at the Trump event, you got to speak, Tommy got to speak, and then Trump got to speak, and then Greg Phillips got to speak too. So it was all good uh, good choice uh, by John Wall there on who to, who to have come up there. But Tommy Tuberville, this is this is my assessment. Um, he came in, he didn't really, he was, he's a football coach. Like he, didn't, he didn't know a lot about politics. You know what I mean? He's, he's, right. he's a football coach. I think McConnell kind of big brothered him a little bit, and he kind of tried to just kind of go, you know, do the thing. And then he saw how horrendous it was, probably got a couple knives in the back, and is like, no, no. I'm doing this this way, right? I'm, I'm going to do this right. Uh, and ever since he, that that switch flipped for him, he's done that. And I may not agree with every single thing that he does or whatever, but it's the courage that, that, that men follow, right? Braveheart, that's one of my favorite lines. Men don't follow titles, they follow courage. And for him to have the courage to do what he's doing uh, to fight this uh, abortion fight, to say we're, we're not going to use Department of Defense dollars to fund vacations and surgeries for women to kill their children. Like, we're not doing that. Alabama's not doing that. And he found a lever of power in the Senate minority that he could get his hand on and is using it. And, man, I was in Colorado on vacation for two weeks. That's a very military, uh, Colorado Springs, military-centered town. And I was watching the news, and they might as well have put horns and a tail and a pitchfork on Tommy Tuberville in the news the way they spoke about him. Oh, yeah. It is insane the amount of pressure that he's under, but he's doing what God's told him to do, and people are rallying behind him. When he got a standing ovation at the Trump event, you're, that's not a small number of people. That's the most people I've ever seen in one building at one time, right? Like in an indoor yeah, building. crazy. And he got a huge, like, two-minute standing ovation. If I'm a politician, if whoever's a politician, why aren't you chasing that? That's way that's that's worth way more than some shekels that you can get from some lobbyist. Amen. And, you know, that's the thing. I've been over supporting coach from day one on this stand and been over on the floor, but he just is having to stand alone. And it yeah. is a crying shame that we've got uh, people in this country who deny the courage he has. And look, I've told him, continue to fight. And him and I had a conversation Friday night. I was like, hey, he's, I said, uh, I asked him, I said, are you enjoying it? He said, no. I said, he said, are you enjoying it? I was like, no. He said, but I'm glad we're both here. Yeah. And that's the way it is. I mean, it's not something you necessarily enjoy. There is a way to enjoy this job, but you can't do it right and enjoy yeah. it. I mean, you got to get in the fight. You got to stand for what you believe in. You got to be crucified in the side of whatever political power there is to make sure that you stand for what you believe in. And so God bless him for doing it. And uh, I, I, I'm so thankful that he is on our team and he's doing the job he's doing. Amen. Well, I've got a couple places I want to go. I don't want to say some stuff for our, uh, our overtime. Um, I want to get back to, we talked about, uh, so I had Will Ainsworth on and, and we did in the behind the scenes, we talked about what, what is it? Why did, why, why, when did the switch happen and why, I guess, because for a while, like boycotts were only going one way, right? We were the only people that got our teeth kicked in on boycotts. Oh, he said this, he gets canceled, but whatever. And then it really was the Bud Light to me was the the turning point. And, and something may have happened before that. I'm not aware of or whatever, but all of a sudden it was like the Bud Light thing was just like, that's too much. And it was, and it was so, you know, cause you even see like NASCAR will like come out and like the NFL is gay and, NASCAR like bowing down to the stuff. It's like, do you know your audience? They do not know. They do their not audience. know your audience. This is insane. Um, but Bud Light was chief not knowing their audience. Like no one, you know, it's the whole hold my beer, right? You know, you think you're bad. Hold yeah. my beer. Well, that's what happened there. Um, and and from that moment forward, you see Target, 
you know, you see everyone else that, 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 that makes that stand is going that way. And now you see a Jason Aldean uh, or anybody else who's, 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 I, I believe God has done this. Okay. And, and, and it's, it's the, the movement we're talking about and it's reaching a fever pitch. And like the Bud Light is almost just like a notch when you're looking at it on a graph of the, the pitch. What do you, what do you think? Well, you know, I, I, don't, I didn't know what to think. I was actually shocked, but I, but I know for sure that uh, there are a lot of people praying for this nation, and, and I hope the veil's being pulled back and we're opening our eyes. But I, I, was, I was actually, you're right about not knowing your audience. I mean, yeah. Bud Light, that's, but, you know, I think, Brian, in some ways it, 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 it goes back even a little before that because um, when Afghanistan fell, I thought that was interesting. The way we re- withdrew from Afghanistan in the college football stadiums around the country, you started to hear this, let's, let's go Brandon cheer. Yeah. And to me, it was the young people who are almost like in some states and stadiums, or certainly in the Southeastern Conference, are beginning to wake up and go, wait a minute, this, this is ridiculous what we just did in Afghanistan. And so maybe that coupled, and those are the number one consumers of Bud Light, I guess. I yeah. hear it's the college towns do pretty well. Hopefully they're all of age. But, yeah. uh, but I, you know, I certainly know the Lord is doing a work and I, yeah. and and I, I have to believe that and and I think that I, I think that in many ways that's what's going on in Trump's heart and a lot of people in DC and in the hill where the Lord has has had to humble us and so I hope he pours his spirit out upon this country and we are we need to continue to try to be a shining city on the hill and and we've lost our way man I mean but when I think they come after the children and the CRT stuff where little Johnny's a racist because he was born white I think that's even starting to put the suburban moms at bay a little bit with the yeah. left and you know the devil always overplays his hand. That's the thing I love about it, man. You give him an inch, he'll try to take a yard, and he always overplays. And yep. so all of this backlash that's coming, I think it's coming as a, as an overplaying of the of the left's hand, and certainly of Satan in the process of just uh, it's it's not the moral fabric this country was built on. And and I hope we remember who we are and go back and fight the way we ought to, and and return to the Lord. And we got to do that, brother. I hate to sound like a preacher more than a politician, but that is we the truth that. as I see it. No, that's it. And, and Megan Kelly even said it uh, on her podcast. She, she, when the trans stuff first started, because I mean, so I remember when Obergefell happens, right? So Supreme Court, you know, d- no states don't get to decide. Supreme Court's going to legislate from the bench. You, you got to marry gay people, right? Boom, puts it down I on the whole country that, yes. federally. I predicted all kinds of stuff that's happening would happen, right? This is, this is, this is not good precedent. This isn't good. This is going to open things up for, you know, uh, polygamy, pedophilia. All this stuff that it's going to open the door for. Never in a million years did I think it would be allowing grown men, sexually perverted grown men, into the locker rooms with with women and girls, and to be able to expose themselves legally in front of like that. Never even crossed my mind as something that was a possibility. And now we're taking little boys and and removing their genitals. And, and I mean, the whole like, I can't even talk about it without putting a parental warning on my podcast, what we're doing to children and that that is actually happening. I never could have predicted it. How fast the thing went that to me. Yeah. And, and, and I think it started, like I said, it, it just the under the Obama administration, but I think in many ways that the country running to this just woke agenda has happened and moved so much faster than any of us. Like I said, even, I would have never dreamed that we'd have yeah. men competing in women's sports just a few years ago. <clears throat> and the NCAA said, oh, that's fine or whatever. Yeah. And, 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 and how can you say, I can't identify you now as a they or a them. I can't even, if I see you're a man or a woman, yeah. how is that offensive and how should I be put in jail for that? But there are actually places, I think, in the country now that are starting to say, oh, if you wrongly gender somebody, you can be in some criminal 
offense. Yeah. You know, it's insane, brother. And it went so fast. So, so yeah, I think it's moved again. I think the devil overplayed his hand on this thing, and I think that the American people are going, wait a minute, enough stupidity here. Let's get yeah. back to some common sense. Amen. Well, I'm excited about it. We'll wrap up uh, the main portion of this. Um, Congressman, any last words you want to say uh, to my audience? No, but I, I, I want to say thank you, Brian, for what you do and for what 1819 News does. We need conservative voices in the media more now than ever, some people that speak truth. And so as one of those guys whose Twitter came down a couple days after Trump, I'm glad to have you here, brother. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to be here. That means a lot. Barry Moore, thank you so thank much. You, thank you. All right, guys, that'll wrap it up. Until next time, put your trust in God and keep your powder dry. <laughs>